Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Mark chapter 10, beginning to read at verse 17. Together, let us listen for the word of God. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples, so Jesus told them again, Children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, It is impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms with harassment, and in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, there was a commercial that featured different parents holding their newborns. In each case, they hold the tiny bundle close and say, look at you. There's so much love wrapped up in that moment, so much hope and joy. Maybe a touch of panic and exhaustion. But the message is clear. With one look and one phrase, the parent reveals that she will never be the same. The child she holds has stolen her heart forever without lifting a finger. As the voiceover tells us, one look can change how you see the world. There's a look, or two actually, in this morning's text too. The rich man throws himself at Jesus' feet and asks what he can do to obtain eternal life. The man has done everything he can think of. He's followed the law, or at least part of the law, to a T. He insists that he has not lied or cheated or stolen. He has honored his elders. 
He's been living a good and faithful life. He's what we would call a good person. Probably better than most on most days. And then Jesus gives him the look. Look at you, Jesus seems to say. At least one scholar wonders if Jesus loves the man because he's Torah observant or because he's dared to ask such a question or for no reason at all. Whatever Jesus' reason, he genuinely loves the man so much that he wants to help him. So Jesus answers the man's question, and he talks about money. There is a tremendous amount of discussion these days about doing what Jesus says. His name is invoked in discussions about vaccines, immigrants, homosexuality, gender issues, race debates, climate change, health care. If there's a hot-button issue, you can rest assured somewhere, someone somewhere has brought Jesus into it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Who Jesus is and what Jesus says should inform our beliefs and shape our decisions. We don't leave Jesus at the door or in the parking lot when we leave here on Sundays. Or at least I sure hope not. And yet, for all of the ink spilled and breath expended over every other topic under the sun, Jesus talks about money more than anything else. And it makes us uncomfortable, preachers included, maybe especially preachers. Over the years, preachers and scholars have tried to soften what Jesus says here, but the text is fairly straightforward. The man comes asking about eternal life, and Jesus tells him to sell everything he has and give the money to the poor. Really. All of it. That's what he says. There's no getting around it. It's not about giving away one bag a day of stuff he no longer needs. The camel cannot do an end run around the needle's eye. There's no alternate route cannot buy or earn our way into the kingdom. It's impossible for us to get ourselves in. It's impossible to grab hold of the promise while we clutch our stuff. And it's hard to see how we can have our cake and eat it too. Jesus' response to the man is telling, though, you are lacking one thing. The man may be surprised to hear he's lacking anything, but he is, and deep down, I think he knows it. He has come to Jesus looking for something, after all. He comes to Jesus longing for eternal life, and we've come to understand eternal life as living forever for what comes when we die, but the word eternal means without beginning, or without end, or both. I don't think the man is asking about his ticket to heaven. No, I think he is longing for something that neither his wealth nor his success has brought him. He longs for life, a full and rich and broad and abundant life that begins now. And Jesus tries to point him in the right direction, the life direction even, Man's wealth and obedience have allowed him to believe that he holds a certain amount of control over his life. He thinks he holds the reins and can now get or obtain the final goal, the ultimate possession of full life. He has been doing all the things and still it is not enough. He cannot buy his way into the kingdom. It is impossible if he stays as he is. It is impossible if Jesus' look of love does not change him in some way. 
Man has been faithful, but has his faithfulness simply become a checklist? Or has it become a way of life? For all of his goodness, he still seems focused on how he can check this one item off the list. That one look from Jesus has yet to change how the man sees the world. He is missing the larger, broader, and fuller life that awaits him, the life that he might begin to enjoy if he'd only look and see how Jesus looks at him. One of the great sages of the last century, Ferris Bueller, was heard to say, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. It is easy to get caught up in the race to get, to achieve, to obtain, to win, to tick all the boxes. And in our effort to do all the things, we risk missing what we badly need to see. A few years back, Pope Francis wrote, Whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others, no place for the poor. God's voice is no longer heard. The quiet joy of God's love is no longer felt. And the desire to do good fades. Perhaps that is the rich man's problem. Perhaps he has gotten too caught up in his own concerns. Perhaps his determination to check everything off the list has made him deaf to God's love songs and blind to Christ's loving gaze. If he cannot see Jesus' love for him, he'll be hard-pressed to love others because it all begins with that look. Like a child cradled in her mother's arms, our life of love begins with that holy, gracious look. We love because we are loved, and by the grace of God, when we see that look for what it is, the love does not end there. Now, if we went looking for a love story, the Gospel of Mark might not be the first place we'd look. But I cannot imagine a greater love story than the one this Gospel tells. Mark's voice and the ones he shares with us come not from a place of privilege or power, but from the rubble of a destroyed Jerusalem. Mark's telling of the Jesus story is the oldest, we believe. Scholars believe it was written around the year 70, right about the time when the temple and all of Jerusalem were utterly destroyed. Mark's community had every reason to turn their backs and walk away. It would have been easier to give up following in the way of Jesus. It would have been safer, too. And yet they treasured the life that his life and death and resurrection brought them. They knew what it was to be beloved and cherished in a way no money could buy. They knew what it was, what it is to be loved beyond measure. And that one look, that one love changed the way they saw the world and they wanted others to know it too. In fact, no rubble, no intimidation, no imperial power could keep them from sharing the power of God's love in Christ Jesus. They knew that the good news was too good to stop with them, so they lifted their voices from the rubble and the ruins to make sure we could know how beloved we are. The whole of Scripture, of course, could be called a love story, an account of God's love for God's people. 
So we hear it in the word, but we get to see it too. This font and this table are two ways of telling us the same thing. One traditional baptism blessing reads, Little one, for you Christ came into the world, and for you he lived and showed God's love. For you he suffered the darkness of Calvary and cried at the last, it is accomplished. For you he triumphed over death and rose in newness of life. For you he ascended to reign at God's right hand. All this he did for you, little one, though you do not know it yet. Friends, we are that little one. And then there is this table where we hear on the night when he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. More than any romantic gesture, this font and this table show us love beyond measure, love without end. That's the key, isn't it? Jesus' look of love rests on the rich man and goes nowhere. The man somehow cannot see how beloved he is, so he goes home brokenhearted. And yet, at the same time, the look of love rests on the man and goes everywhere. Because we see how Jesus looks at him. And by the grace of God, we come to understand that he looks at us the very same way. The difference is that the rich man's story comes to a close, at least for now. Ours has not. One look can change how you see the world. Look at you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.